This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We move from a warning about our health care to a warning about jobs and the economy. Ontario's independent fiscal watchdog is warning that increasing the minimum wage to $15 an hour could cost 50,000 jobs with job losses concentrated among younger adults. Now, to put it in perspective, that increase in the minimum wage is 30% increase in just 18 months. It's a centerpiece of the Liberals' pre-election agenda. Okay, so these numbers just came out today in a six-page assessment from the Financial Accountability Office. So we want to know, is, is that a reason to put the brakes on this, maybe roll it out over a slower period? Uh, a lot of people who object to this say they don't object uh, to the thing as a whole, just to the speed that it is being impl- implemented with. For, for instance, uh, the minimum wage is going to 11.40 an hour shortly, and then $14 in January, and then 2019 to $15. Right now, we are going to go to Julie Kwaczynski, who is the Director of Provincial Affairs uh, for the Ontario for Ontario at the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. Hi, Julie. Hi, Libby. Nice to chat with you today. Nice to chat with you. So uh, what do you make of the fact that the Financial Accountability Office has come out with this? Well, we are very, very pleased because this is the first time that we've seen any kind of evidence whatsoever, and this is coming from an independent officer of the Legislative Assembly of Ontario. These are things we've been saying, Libby, but the government hasn't been listening. We're hoping that the government will listen to an independent officer of their own legislative assembly. This is validating things that we've been trying to put into the government's head to see the light for several months now. We've been telling them this policy will result in job losses. We've been telling them it will disproportionately hurt young Ontarians. We've also been telling them, and this is substantiated by the FAO in his commentary, that it's not an effective policy tool for reducing overall poverty, which is sad because if it's supposed to help people on poverty and it isn't, what is the whole point of this exercise? Well, um, my take is the, the point of increasing the minimum wage is so that people who have jobs, who, who work, can actually live on what they earn. No? Okay, but what we're talking about here is a policy that will actually, those people that you mentioned making more money, they could lose their jobs or have their hours cut. Mm-hmm. Um, so d- if you don't have a job or your hours have been cut in the end, have you really been helped? 
And the other aspect of this as well, and you raised it earlier in the introduction, this is happening so quickly at, and at such a great magnitude and with no evidence to support it, which is why we are very pleased today that the Financial Accountability Officer has released some evidence. And we believed that this shows the need for the government to conduct its own economic impact analysis, stop this reckless plan, do the analysis, do fulsome consultations, then determine what the next step should be. Nobody is arguing that people on poverty shouldn't be helped. That is not part of our discussion. It's how you do it. It's how you do it. And this is not the right way. And the FAO says it himself would be an efficient, inefficient policy tool for reducing overall poverty, page one of his report. Okay, I'm going to give the numbers out again. I'd like to hear from our listeners about this. In the past, when we've discussed this, most of the people, frankly, on this program support the increase in the minimum wage. Uh, So I'm wondering... Does this new report make you think twice, make you think maybe the government should bring it in over a longer period of time to give people time to adjust? Uh, the numbers to call, 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We are talking about Ontario's plan to increase minimum wage to $15 an hour and the new report from our independent fiscal watchdog saying that this could cost 50,000 jobs. So, uh, people, give us your take on that. Right now, I'm on the line with Julie Kwiczynski from the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. Julie, give me an idea of what are the cascading costs. So, if you, if you raise somebody's wages, are there other costs involved? Okay, now that's a very, very good question. The first time I've been asked that... Um, When you raise the minimum wage, your payroll costs go up. So we've had some of our members questioning, and we haven't gotten this far in the process, but we're wondering how that will affect people who pay into WSIB, the Workplace Safety and Insurance Board, depending on what type of business they're in, because that's based on your payroll costs. So one would then say, okay, then those costs might go up. And then on top of that, as a business owner, you have escalating payroll costs, but you are also paying higher costs for other things as an employer, including employment insurance next year, Canada Pension Plan is going up over a period of years. We're still not knowing exactly how the fallout will result from cap and trade in Ontario. Hydro costs will go up again in four years. The government has admitted that. So we're looking at businesses being hit on all sides. And then, of course, I was on your show a few weeks ago where we talked about another impact on small businesses at the federal level, the new tax changes. That oh, are that proposed. is a whole other kettle of fish. Exactly. Yes. So I'm positioning it for the listeners, Libby, in the sense that it's like businesses, small businesses are being unfairly targeted and tsunamied when they are, in fact, the job creators in this province and in this country. It's like biting the hand that feeds you, going by that old expression. And But perhaps not biting the hand that elects you. 
Exactly. Wow, that was good. That was good. Absolutely. And I think we're concerned above all. You're looking at the speed and the magnitude with which the government is proposing to implement this with no evidence whatsoever. Okay, um, hang on there. Let us go to the phones to see what our listeners think. We've got Sharon in Jackson's Point. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Libby. Thank you for taking my call. You're very welcome. Um, my, uh, my, my comment or question is, with, uh, I'm a senior, and I'm almost a senior senior. Um, <laughs> I can barely make ends meet now with paying for what I, I need to live. Um, with the increase for the hourly wage, either they are going to, of course, cut people because they can't afford to pay them, or they're going to raise the prices so that I cannot afford to buy them. Um, Why can't the government think uh, outside of their um, young mind set box and, and consider that when we were young and we were paying and working for four dollars an hour if we were lucky lucky that was a few um, years ago ends meet but they don't think that far ahead i don't think that the um the the canadian population can afford to pay uh pay workers 15 dollars an hour without upsetting the whole apple cart okay thank you for that sharon thank you bye-bye Okay, Catherine here in Toronto. Hello, Catherine. Hi there, Libby. Thanks for taking my call. You're very welcome. I want to say I totally disagree with your expert there. Okay. $15 an hour is much needed. As an older person, I was told at 55 to go and collect my CPP and get out of the workforce. Then I was downsized to make sure that happened. Now, I'm struggling trying to find employment who can live on eleven forty and and forty cents, eleven dollars and forty cents an hour? Very few people, and certainly very few places. Small employers, big employers, hire older women. It's all young people. So for your expert to say it's the young people that will be cut, I'm sorry, but what I see and what I hear from my friends in the same position, it's us older people who are cut first to give the young people a chance. And Do you mean in, 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 a, in a low-paying job like that? Or, or uh, I know that there's huge ageism oh, and people... low-paying and, and middle-income jobs. It's the older people are, are encouraged to leave the workforce... And then what do we do? When you're 55 and you're told to collect your CPP and you, you lose 5% a year for every year you collect under 65, we're down to 50% of maybe $900. Will you try and live on $450 a month? Then you I... have to go out and you have to have some sort of employment. And what you're offered as a mature white woman in this city is $11.40 an hour and if you're lucky, you get 20 hours a week. Who can live on that? Not mm-hmm. not somebody just out of school and certainly not somebody mature. I, I totally, I totally hear you. I want to say something about small businesses. I've worked for small businesses, and they get so many things that they can expense off. They expense their parking. They expense transportation. They expense your, your little 
eleven forty dollars an hour. They expense their health and dental benefits. Well, you've got nothing. I mean, small businesses, if they if they're saying that they're hurting, that's not what I saw when I worked for small businesses. And I did and I did the bookkeeping. Catherine, I I am totally sympathetic to where you are coming from, and I think, um, yeah, there are a lot of things uh, to consider in this. Thank you very much for sharing with us. Bye. Okay, uh, Julie, what do you say to Catherine? She raises a very, very interesting point, and it's something that, to me, requires a separate discussion. It's a separate issue. The seniors in this province and country built us to where we are. They deserve the respect and dignity. That's a separate issue entirely. And I do agree that obviously 1140 is not enough to live on. Yeah, I agree with that too. Absolutely. The discussion is, okay, if we can agree... Everybody agrees 1140, no matter where you live, is not enough to live on an hour. The question is, what types of policy, deep, thoroughly based, evidence-based policies do you come up with to raise people out of poverty? And I don't think making businesses pay 100% for a government social experiment is the answer. Footing 100% of the bill. We need to think outside of the box, but we need time to do that, Libby. How do we raise people out of poverty? Do we want as a society to create people that are stuck at the minimum wage? Like the FAO's report says, he's concerned that the minimum wage will also increase the number of adults earning the minimum wage. Is that the best we can do in Ontario society. Well, I think, you know what, I think Catherine had a very good point that at a certain age, when you're downsized from your corporate job, there mm-hmm. there aren't a huge number of options, and a lot of those options are at minimum wage. But, yes. uh, yeah, let's take one more call from Bernie in Mississauga. Hi, Bernie. Hi, how are you doing, Libby? Fine, how are you? Good, I like to weigh in on this uh, issue. This has bugged me for a long time. I think what the government should have put, a, put an, an added uh, fire on their legislation that after you're employed by a company for six months, you're guaranteed 40 hours a week, and also that they pass legislation that when the minimum wage is increased, that uh, price inflation would be controlled. I think those two issues would, uh, would stamp out any kind of fear that the business community is using as a big hammer over part-time workers and the pool of workers that are looking for work and looking for a decent living uh, it could alleviate a lot of the problems. Legislate them. Okay. Thanks, Bernie. Right. Okay. Well, uh, I think uh, price controls uh, are a non-starter there. Julie, we're running out of time on this. Um, what would you like to leave us with? Uh, you know, I know you're calling for more time. I, I understand that uh, you weren't even invited to the table on this question. I mean, I, I, I don't think we can expect uh, the government to hold off on this. Well, we're upset in the sense that we don't think the government even cares about our position. We got a letter back from the Premier yesterday that was just a form letter. She didn't even change. She had even had the wrong first sentence about what we were writing about. So that illustrates to us she doesn't care 
about mm-hmm. small business position. We're saying please listen to the independent officer of the Legislative Assembly, Premier Wynne. Listen to this independent person who is telling you there will be a net loss. This is net. So he's factored in all the possible good things that might happen, but we're looking at a net loss of 50,000 jobs, and if you read his footnote, that could actually be 40,000 to 80,000 jobs. Okay, Julie Kwiczynski, thank you so much for your insight. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure, Libby. Great show. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.